Welcome everybody, I'm Shabal Raish from Perusia. This is our Perusia podcast and I'm with a special guest all the way from the United States, Dr. Ralph Martin. Welcome, Dr. Ralph. Hey, Sharmel, good to be here. Good to meet the fellow Christians in Australia. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I've only witnessed a day worth of talks with you here in Toowoomba at the Mission School. What a fantastic uh, mission this is at the moment. You've been here since the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I've been here since it began January 1st, so yeah. It's wow, a, it's a long mission, but a good one. Absolutely. Uh, the theme of the mission, um, I've noticed you, you spoke about the Holy Spirit quite often throughout the, the time, a little bit about the Second Coming, different saints as well. Yeah. Um, was a particular theme of the overall um, mission? The overall theme was going deeper. Okay. And so we, uh, we talked about basically holiness and evangelization and lots of things connected with that. You know, so, uh, wow. Well, I'd love to um, get to know a little bit about yourself. Um, you, you've been around for many years in, 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 in the Catholic apostolate world, and I've, I got introduced to you via EWTN, which was great to see you on there. Um, I'd love to just get to know about you personally very quickly, um, uh, yourself. Uh, were you always uh, brought up as a Catholic? Yeah, we, I grew up in a good Catholic family, Irish Catholic family. My grandparents immigrated from Ireland, born in New York City, grew up in New Jersey, and uh, up until I got to the university, I was pretty faithful. And then I got off the track, like unfortunately a lot of people do, but made a weekend retreat just before I graduated. And God really had mercy on me and really brought me back to to himself. And ever since I've been there. Praise be to God. <laughs> yeah. And how did you go into uh, ministry from there? What, what sort of led you into yeah. active ministry? Well, I, I had a fellowship to begin work on a doctorate at, at Princeton University. Uh, and, and so I went there for my first year of graduate school. But uh, I really noticed that since I had encountered Christ, I wasn't searching for the truth anymore, which is why I became a philosophy major. And I began to evangelize my fellow grad students there. And I had about 25 of them make the same kind of retreat that I did and got them into small groups. And, and I just felt like, gee, I think the Lord's calling me to... Uh, to more directly serve the kingdom than to get a doctorate in philosophy. So uh, a friend of mine and myself made made a weekend, or actually a summer retreat. We went to a Benedictine monastery and bailed hay and trying to ask God for direction about what we should do with our life. And we kept getting this passage, uh, sell all you have and come follow me. <laughs> and uh, we, we finally decided, gee, we think that's what the Lord's asking us to do. And so we sold what we had and, came and followed him. And... Uh, it was the best time in our life to get that passage. He hardly had anything to sell. <laughs> and then we began hitchhiking across the country and uh, ended up at a, at a certain Catholic convention. And the bishop who was responsible for this apostolic movement invited us to move to Michigan and work with him. And that's how we got to Michigan. And then the charismatic renewal broke out. And we got involved in that. And then uh, we got involved in campus ministry. And then we got moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And a whole ministry began to develop there, and then uh, we got invited to move to Belgium for four years and work wow. with Cardinal Sunins, who's one of the four presidents of the Second Vatican Council, and uh, just all kinds of things happened, and then I became very concerned about confusion in the church, and I wrote a book called A Crisis of Truth, and actually gave a series of talks here in uh, Australia years ago in the 80s, and Archbishop Julian Porteous attended as a young priest that I just was with him this week at the mission and he kept quoting things he remembered from what he, what I said in those days, which was pretty amazing. And then we developed a ministry called Renewal Ministries, which uh, 
actually has the longest running Catholic television program on EWTN. We've on a, had a weekly program there for 35 years. 35 yeah, years from yeah, the beginning. So from the very beginning, Mother Angelica uh, heard some of my talks on a crisis of truth, and she invited me to come down there and start doing programs for her, and then a regular weekly program. So that's how that happened. Then we got a couple of daily Catholic radio programs going, and we're doing mission work in about 30 or 40 different countries. And I also teach at the Catholic Seminary in Detroit at Sacred Heart Seminaries. I'm um, the uh, director of our graduate theology programs and evangelization. So just a lot of good stuff going on. Along the way, I got married. Yes. <laughs> six children. Praise God. Uh, 19 grandchildren. Wow. Yeah. So, so the Lord has blessed us. There's been challenges. There's been trials. There's been ups and downs. But uh, it's been just wonderful to have discovered the Lord and to be serving Him all these years. I'm very interested around that time when I look at the, the explosion of apostles in America in the, the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, apostles that we partner with, Ignatius Press, Catholic Answers, uh, right. EWTN. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, there's many others that have come through. Uh, and you, you Renewal Ministries, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Tell us, that, that really has the lay movements in, in that early 80s period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what impact has that had now, you know, 35 years later in, on, on America? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. So many of these ministries are still going really, really strong, and others have joined them. Yes. Like we have Focus now. We yes. have St. Paul's Center for Biblical Studies with Scott Hahn. Yeah. We, we just got a lot, of, a lot of good stuff going on. We have Christ Life. We have Catholic Alpha. We have just all kinds of things. We have a lot of very solid lay Catholics that are really equipped to kind of cut through the confusion and deception in the church today and really steer people in the right direction. Is, is this the, the confusion you touched on back then, um, so the crisis of truth? Yes. Uh, could you just unpack that a little bit and, yeah. and that might be great. Well, the subtitle of the book was The Undermining of Faith, Morality, and Mission in the Catholic Church. And way back in the 70s, before Pope John Paul II really started to clarify things, there's just a lot of crazy stuff going on, a lot of moral theologians saying, well, maybe there could be exceptions, and if people really love each other, it might be okay, and mm. all that kind of stuff. And a lot of Catholic missionaries were saying, well, since there's seeds of truth in the world religions, maybe we don't need to work for evangelization and conversion anymore, but we can work for human development. So all that kind of stuff, you know, mission was collapsing, morality was getting a whole shot in it, and and scripture was being questioned, a lot of skepticism about scripture. So I said, hey, something bad's going on here. So I wrote a book addressing it, and it seemed to have helped a lot of people, and Mother Angelica liked it out of that came the TV programs. Now, we all thought that this had been kind of solved by John Paul II and Pope Benedict. <laughs> But it's back. Okay. You know, the, this confusion is back. The head of the Jesuits a couple of months ago said, we weren't really there. We didn't have a tape recorder. We don't really know what Jesus said, you know? Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, so some of the same stuff is going back. And then other people are saying stuff like, well, you know, there could be exceptions, you know, to, for people to get remarried and divorced and, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they don't really maybe need to get an annulment if they're pastorally accompanied. And, you know, just a lot of kind of loopholes are starting to kind of appear right now. That's going to, some of the same stuff is back. So I'm actually doing a revision of the book. Fantastic. I'm updating it for the current confusion. <laughs> well, this is interesting because uh, I feel like we are standing on the shoulders of the great um, apostolates in America, uh, mm. our ministry at Perusia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also see sort of a, a bit of a divide even among those who you might think 
follow the truth. You touched on this interestingly on Friday, mm. and I, um, on the Holy Spirit. You, you touched on almost division within the church. Now, there's there's sort of a couple of things going on. There's this there's this church that uh, may deny many of the dogmas or the doctrines of the church. Mm-hmm. That's, is what that's the first crisis. Mm-hmm. There's this other one, uh, almost like the charisms. Um, so this us and them, or this this uh, left and right, or this uh, mm-hmm. greater than thou concept of, yeah. of the traditional Catholic and the charismatic Catholic. Yeah. Or can you you touched on it a few days ago? It really yeah. got my attention, and I yeah. just love to touch it because you know we are Catholic. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, we just I want just to be want to be a Catholic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. According uh, as the church on? understands it, well, well, we have a resurgence of progressive so-called Catholics that are once again invoking the spirit of Vatican II while ignoring really what the documents really say. And they're kind of saying, we've got to keep changing things. We've got to keep moving in that direction. We've got to catch up with the times. We've got to accommodate to the culture. Very, very bad. Mm. But then we have a reaction to that that I think is also very, very bad. People, because of the abuses, because of the scandals, are saying, we need security. We need to go back to the Tridentine Rite. We need to go back to the extraordinary form of the liturgy. The Novos Ordo that Vatican II inaugurated is not good, you know, and it's not reverent and everything like that. And that's just not true, you know. The Novos Ordo, there's been abuses, but it can be celebrated very, very reverently. And there was a reason why Vatican II felt like the Tridentine Rite needed to be reformed. You only get 10% of the scripture in the entire liturgical cycle in, in the Tridentine Rite. You, 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 you don't even have, have a language that people can understand. You know, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's sort of like the whole thing that Vatican II wanted to do was to kind of get people engaged in the liturgy, get them mm-hmm. actively involved. And it uh, doesn't mean jumping around the altar or having hootenanny masses or whatever, but... You know, it's very hard for people around the world. Hardly anybody knows Latin. You know, you know, and and, and it's just really, uh, it's, it's just really too bad. Now, now people who want to do the Tridentine right, which is an option, but it's not the ordinary form. You know, Pope Benedict, when he made allowance for people to do the Tridentine right, uh, said that's ex- extraordinary. It's not the norm in the Catholic Church. The norm is the the regular Mass that we're doing, and so. I don't begrudge anybody the right to do that, but what really hurts me and I think is very bad for the church is when they start kind of casting aspersions on anybody who does the Novus Ordo, like it's inferior, you know, it's not reverent enough, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of I'm, I'm more reverent than thou type of thing, and and sometimes it's actually attacking the legitimacy of Vatican II. You know, they, they kind of say, you know, Vatican II is flawed, you know, and we can't yes. really trust it, and and I, I think it's just. Unfortunately, I think it's a strange kind of deception in reaction to the progressives. We're getting like a an ideological, uh, almost sectarian spirit, you know, that's happening in the Catholic Church. So, yeah, you want to avoid that. Uh, you can go sort of so far yeah. that you're, you you cease yeah. to be Catholic yeah. in a sense. You're not obeying exactly, and and you, and you start actually judging the church that you're supposedly defending. You start judging the magisterium that you're supposedly under, you know, and you're becoming disobedient in a strange kind of way. Then you start believing all these strange conspiracy theories, you know, about guilt by association and the the, uh, the Freemasons have taken over the Vatican and all these kinds of really things that's going to scare people and make them really filled with suspicion and fear. So they kind of cling to the form of, of the mm. liturgy sometimes. Like they cling to, you know... Uh, 
vestments and berettas and things like that, you know, which are really such secondary things. And they're missing the spirit mm -hmm. of God and the spirit of charity and the spirit of love and the spirit of unity. So, yeah, I think it's a problem. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't want to take it too far because we can unpack this even further, but uh, we yeah. haven't got the time today. But, uh, yeah, I've noticed in, in my... I guess analysis of it. We we um, have noticed, uh, say, twenty or thirty years ago, there was a very negative uh, us and them mentality in in uh, um, I guess Latin mass communities. It was sort of uh, we joke about uh, so, you know we've got in Protestant circles sola um, fide, yeah, sola scriptura, and then there's a sola misa sort of thing. It's all <laughs> yeah. about yeah. Um, the mass, uh, mm -hmm. which, which is it is the climax, absolutely. But what? was missing this, this um, drawn to the beauty of the church and the mass. Today's younger group, that, that there seems to be a, a traditional um, movement coming through. Yeah. If you've noticed, yeah. it's young yeah. people. and uh, But there's this positive spin to it, and they're drawn to it, the beauty of that yeah. liturgy. And it doesn't come with any of the, I guess, baggage, if you like, yeah. of those who maybe witnessed the, I guess, the tragedy of the yeah. way the way people have misinterpreted Vatican II, mm -hmm. if we put it that way. Um uh, in the 70s yeah. and 80s and um, yeah there's been it's an interesting those who were born in you know the last sort of 20-30 years mm -hmm. have, have completely avoided all of the I guess um, the prejudice and, and, and the battles that, mm -hmm. that happened in the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. and uh, and they they've just sort of been drawn in that way which is quite beautiful mm -hmm. on the flip side though in the charismatic renewal there's also uh, some fruit there too and we can't ignore what's going on in the charismatic oh, yeah. movement yeah. You're heavily involved in that space too. Yeah. Please yeah. tell us a bit about what you've seen over the years in that in that side of things. Well, hey, look, more than 120 million Catholics throughout the world have experienced a renewal of their faith through the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, mm. and the Church has endorsed it a hundred times over. You know, uh, you know, it's just it's just kind of part of what it means to be a Catholic. You know, John Paul II said that that the institutional dimension of the church and the charismatic dimension of the church are both co-essential to the very foundation of the church and that one of the things that good things that happened at Vatican II is that we re rediscovered the charismatic dimension that belongs to the Catholic Church. So the purpose of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal Movement isn't to get everybody into it, but it's to be a witness in the church what belongs to the whole church. This is our heritage as Catholics, you know? And, and a lot of people say, you know, I'm contemplative, and another person says, I'm charismatic, or I'm traditional, or I'm whatever. We need to have all the dimensions of the Catholic mm -hmm. faith. We need to be contemplative and charismatic. You know, we need to be liturgical and evangelization. You know, we just, we just can't get into little corners and little silos yes. and sort of say part of the Holy Spirit is enough for me. I don't want the other part. We need, right. we need all the Holy Spirit, especially in what we're facing today with the secular culture. We need to be united. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to respect each other and love each other and affirm each other in the gifts that we have. Any dangers on... So we've seen the dangers in the Tridentine, yeah. those who are taking it too far in one, in yeah. one sense. Any dangers on the other, on, in the charismatic space? Uh, yes. Where does they take it too far sometimes? Yeah, there's, there's, there's the danger of sometimes charismatics saying, if you haven't experienced some of these charismatic gifts, you're, you're really you know, not a full Catholic type of thing, you know, mm. or just kind of like negative evaluations on people who haven't experienced certain dimensions of the Holy Spirit's work, and so that's bad. Also, sometimes there's immaturity. There's not sufficient formation. You know, people haven't been steeped enough in the tradition of the church and the writings of the saints. So that's why I wrote the book, The Fulfillment of All Desire, the subtitle, A Guidebook for the Journey to God, based on the wisdom of the saints. And that's why Mother Mary Therese wanted me to come here is to give some solid formation in the traditional spiritual wisdom of the church, you know, which is what I've been doing. So. And you've been such a, 
a godfather in this space, if I can call it that, a spiritual powerhouse, learning from the greats, the saints, and we're privileged to distribute all of those CDs on, on yeah. St. Catherine of Siena and St. Teresa yeah. of Avila and St. Francis de Sales and yeah, St. John of the Cross. Yeah, tremendous um, wisdom there. Amazing. Yeah, it needs to be unpacked for people so they can understand. So thank you for doing that. Okay. Um, in closing here, I mean, how many books have you uh, currently I don't written? count. Forgetting yeah, what lies behind, I'm pressing forward to yes. the price of the power of resurrection. <laughs> there's a new one coming. In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I guess if people want to get in touch with you, um, the website? Well, yeah, our website, renewalministries.net. You know, all one word, R-E-N-E-W-A-L-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S, renewalministries.net. Fantastic. And final, a final take-home message for all those listening on the Perusia podcast radio platforms um, a take-home message in these times we're living in the midst of all the confusion we need to remember that jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever he's the rock amen thank you very much for joining us dr ralph martin from renewal ministries please visit his website and that's another perusia podcast until next time god bless you